Welcome, fans, to episode 41 of Rangers Ed. This is your host, Cousin Ed. I'm here with my two co-hosts. We got little Ed over there with his beautiful shelves and his Funko Pops. I see the Lundquist one standing on its own. What's up, dude? Yep. Hank's got his own little section over there. Got his own little corner with the two goalie masks. Can't say that word. <laughs> is that is that Zuccarello and Panarin next to each other? Really yeah. Interesting to see them playing a line. Well, that was the only two Rangers they've made so far, right? Other than Gretzky and Lundqvist, obviously, that we just mentioned. So, yeah, I think I think that's true. Yeah. And, uh, we also got Coach Ed here. He's back in the dollhouse room today. What's up? Yeah, I have to transform this room a little bit. There's major construction going on that I haven't gotten to much, though. <laughs> it's all right. I, I, I'm doing construction, too. You see, I did some damage on my shelves here a little Ooh, bit. Let Can me see. see. Angle that a little bit. Oh, huh? <laughs> it's not looking too bad. The dog's that one isn't level. That one isn't level. By the ladder to the right. No, they're they're all level. No, it could be not. the camera. But uh, speaking of memorabilia, <laughs> I think you had something you wanted to show Coach Ed. No, not this time. That's for next oh. episode. Don't worry, I'll show. What him does next that time. mean? Now you're freaking. <laughs> you gotta wait till next week. I'm I thought you meant he texted me before. I thought you meant tonight. <laughs> no, I mean I was. I'm gonna show you next week. I'm not gonna do it now. All right, all right. I gotta wait to get it. But um, yeah. So my. Uh, my wife it's definitely, is in it's definitely a Bush never <laughs> My <laughs> wife's in Orlando on a business trip. She took one of those tiny private planes. You know what I'm talking really? about? The like three person planes they flew from Opalaka to Orlando. Wow. She was scared out of her mind, but she had a great time, you know, good experience. Like a private so, jet or like a little yeah, like, it's like a, it's like no, it's like a private jet for oh, the so firm, but it she's fine. but it looks like a but it's like a small plane. It looks more it didn't look like a private jet, but it's their plane. I don't know. Whatever. So they, they flew her to Orlando. So she's out of town. So, you know, most guys, when their wife goes out of town, you know, they go to the strip club or they hit the bars or whatever. Me, no, I go to eBay and I buy a <laughs> shit ton of memorabilia. <laughs> so I got like 250 in memorabilia coming to the house. Hopefully, before she gets home. Before she gets home. <laughs> so I can just throw it with the rest of my stuff and she'll never know I bought it. And it blends um, in. Yeah, yeah, but it probably will just... get delivered the day after when she gets back or something. Oh my god! <laughs> so that's, I mean, they, she should be lucky that that's what I'm doing while she's away. But uh, well, um, unfortunately, she's not going to look at it like that. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, let's uh, let's jump right into it, guys. So this is episode 41. So let's get into jersey numbers, sponsored by On the Fly Hockey. On the Fly Hockey is a hockey brand that designs and creates fully sublimated custom roller hockey jerseys and pants right here in the United States. You could send the design team your own artwork or they will work with you to create a fresh and exciting design at no additional cost. So get your fully sublimated jerseys today by visiting www.otf-hockey.com and use our promo code NYRED15 to receive 15% off your team's order today. OTF Hockey is always coming out with fresh and new designs, so don't forget to follow Follow them on Instagram at OTF underscore hockey. And also don't forget to visit OTF-hockey.com. On the fly hockey, American made. Look good, feel good, play good. All right, so number 41, we got a couple of muckers, a couple of gritty guys that uh, could fit the bill for someone the Rangers would be looking for now. Jed Ortmeyer. I remember him. him. Yeah, he's. I I got, he, we actually have his autograph, I think, Ed. We, we, on that little banner. I think we waited for uh, those guys. Isn't that when, what's his name, played? Uh, who mentioned that guy last time? Uh, what was his name? That was that whole era. They were pretty competitive. Yeah, that guy from that year. What's his name? You know, yeah, that's not somebody we were talking to me. just mentioned that, that we should get that type of player. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he's just a quality fourth line player and a good teammate. You know, that's what uh, they're probably looking for players that are similar to him. Well, um, how about uh, Eddie Mio? A little trivia question. What famous person would see the best man at his wedding? I have no idea. Ah, I should save that for trivia. Well, I, well I we mean, both don't know. So, so eh, moving on next week. <laughs> All right. You sure you don't want to know? Yeah, I want to know, but I don't oh. know. Now I can, yeah, now best we can just man, Best man to Wayne Gretzky. Oh, look at that. Interesting. Started on the Oilers, Eddie Mio. Ne- never would have guessed that. But, yeah, so Eddie Mio and Stu Bickle makes it there, too. Another of those gritty – he was he played a little forward, played a little D. He obviously played right wing on that famous uh face off between the, the Rangers and Devils. Devils with the big fight. They moved yeah. him up to right wing for that draw. I do rem- I do remember that. It's that was crazy. Yeah. I hardly remember anything. But. Well, I mean, that's a very memorable moment. Interesting. That's really it, though. I mean, the list is a little barren. We're starting to get into these numbers where it's not gonna be a lot of good players. I was but. gonna say it's gonna be like no man's land in the middle, mid mid forties here. Yeah, eventually there'll be uh, just some numbers that'll be one guy. We're almost there. Let's just jump right into it. There's a lot to talk about. We took a week off and uh, last week we did the awards episode. So let's get right into David Quinn getting fired. I mean, we talked about Quinn and whether they should keep him and we discussed that. And then the next day they fired him. And then our episode dropped like five days after that, talking about whether we should keep Quinn after he'd already been fired. So we haven't really had a chance to talk about this. So first, the first question is, What do you think about the firing? The second question is, what type of coach are we going to hire? Because there's some candidates that have been discussed as favorites. Gerard Gallant, who just won the uh, the Worlds for Team Canada with, you know, a lot of people are saying with a roster that uh, was an underdog, which is unusual for Canada. So he was able to give them an identity and they won. Uh, Rick Tockett got fired from Arizona, or I guess he mutually left or whatever. He's another guy that they're talking about. And then there's just a few other guys out there like Tortorella. Is he coming back? So first, uh, Coach, what do you think about the firing of David Quinn uh, now in retrospect? What do you think about it? And what type of coach do you think the team should go with now moving forward in the rebuild? Well, I thought it was very odd that they fired the GM and the president and not the coach because I think on a a day-in and day-out basis, the coach has more control of how the team's playing. And then obviously what – how many days later did they fire him? A week? Was it a yeah. week about? It was about like a that. week. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's I think it was a necessary evil. I don't know why they didn't do it all at once after the season, but we don't know that. We talked about it already. Well, I think where they were waiting for the uh the end of the season interviews with the players. Yeah, I know, but it, I, I don't know if that well, I mean if all the players I if all the players had good that. things about had good things to say about him, I don't think they would have fired him, but they probably you think didn't that had it. an effect. I mean we don't have to go too into that. I don't mean to cut you off, but I mean, I think if if they did say no, it was it had nothing to do with Coach Quinn, like it was us, like we could be better, blah, blah, blah or something like that. I mean, they could have given him another chance. But to me, if they were, if for them to say they were going to wait for after the interviews and then they still fired him, obviously the coaches, I mean, the players didn't have much or many good things to say about him. It's possible. You I know? feel, so. I feel that. I think Eddie had talked about it prior that they were going to have him for a couple of years to develop the young guys that move on to a veteran coach who was able to handle to get him over the hump. And obviously, I'm going to say Drury didn't feel or whoever didn't feel that he was the guy to do it. Maybe he did his couple of years th- uh, training them and, and getting them ready. But is he a coach that's going to get him over the hump to get the cup? I, I, I didn't see it. 
I think he coached too much like college. We talked about it a lot, changing lines constantly. You know, uh, you got to get out of that. Maybe hopefully it was a learning experience. I think I liked a lot of things he did, but I don't think he was ready to take him over the hump. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Ed, what do you think? I mean, do you think it was the right move? And who are you looking for? What kind of coach are you looking for next? I think it was the right move. I mean, because all the things I just said, if it had anything to do with the players, obviously you want to listen to your players a little bit, or at least uh, the leaders of the locker room where the guys that you know are sticking around for the next couple of years. I mean, yeah, you said it, that it seemed like he was just going to be a bridge coach, develop the young talent. It seemed like he did a pretty decent job in doing that with Bushnevich. Um Started to see it with Kako and Lafreniere towards the end of the season. Um, but I think that JD and Gordon had different plans. Like we've been saying, like they were – they were seeing, they were looking longer term. And I think obviously Dolan and I guess Drury is kind of under the gun now, or maybe Drury just agrees and thinks that the Rangers are ready. So they had to pull the trigger now. I mean, you um, think it had anything to do with those? How many games was Drury on the bench for? Was it like 12 games? No, it was like, it wasn't five, that maybe? long. It was maybe, it might've been like 12 days, but only like five games, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, because Quinn was only he was only in quarantine for like 12, 12 or 14 days or whatever it was. And I know a lot of people are ranting in the newspaper and stuff about maybe that coach should be here because they did play well those games they were out. Yeah, I mean, they always pan to Drury, even not when even when he was like up in the box and not in the like behind the bench. So he obviously had a lot to do with it the entire time. I mean. We, we talked about that, too. It was only a matter of time before Drury was going to step in. So it seems like Dolan just lost his patience and, and wanted things done immediately. Um, so that being said, I think Gallant is the right choice here. I mean, I don't really know much about Tockett, but I think Gallant is the right choice in, in terms of, like like you just said, the identity. And he was able to bring a bunch of misfits at, with Vegas to the finals that year. Um, not to say the Rangers are a bunch of misfits, but... I think it's time for them to take the next step. So they, they have to create an identity identity for themselves, like the Bruins, like the Islanders, Capitals, teams that have won with a veteran coach and have had success with a veteran coach. Well, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't have to be an identity like those teams, but I think you mean just have an identity generally. I mean, look right. at Colorado. Right, right. Colorado and Tampa have an identity and it's not what the Islanders identity. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I think the Rangers are headed more for that kind of an identity with their roster construction than one like the Islanders or, or Boston, you know, but I, I think that with, obviously you guys know, I wanted Quinn gone. I think it was time. I, I don't know. I, I'd like to let some time pass before I, I sit here and conclusively say how I feel about his tenure. I do think he did some good things. I think he developed a lot of the college players. Well, obviously he got a lot out of Bushnevich, turned him into a useful player and a good teammate. So, you know, but again, I think when it comes to when it comes to certain aspects of winning, you need a guy who can sell a message. And I think, you know, look, I like Gerard Gallant, but he's also he was worn out as welcome twice. I mean, he got fired in Vegas when they had a great team. You know, they fired him three years in. They fired him in Florida, too. They, they left him on the they actually left him on the sidewalk to take a cab in a in a, a on the road. I think it's like a famous story. They fired him like while the team was on the road and didn't fly him back to Florida. So it's like take a cab to the airport or something. Wow. <laughs> so I don't know up with the Vegas situation though, too, because the boar got fired by San Jose, like at the perfect time also. And they were rivals. It was just like a weird situation. It was, it was, I, who knows what actually happened, but I mean, there's questions about that. And from what I hear about Gallant, he's, not really an X's and O's guy. He delegates the X's and O's, but he, you know, you, and you can see, like you said, with the misfits, 
he can really sell a message and, and create an identity for a team. And maybe that's what the Rangers need. Maybe they need a guy who can just rally the troops with an identity, like you just said, Ed, and then make sure the assistants are good with X's and O's. If he's right. not an X's, get two brains as assistants that can draw plays mm-hmm. and then have, you know, or three or whatever, and then have Gallant kind of be the rah-rah guy as coach. Maybe it works for three years and then they fire him. That's what I was about to say. Maybe they don't need a long-term coach. Maybe they just need another three or four years out of somebody to get them over the hump. Right. You don't need to have a coach for 10 years. You know, there are many. Yeah. How often does that happen? Yeah. Yeah. There are many long-term coaches. Look at Laviolette. Coaches definitely have an expiration date now with teams. I mean, look at Trotz in Washington. Trotz in Washington wins the cup. They get rid of him. Well, he he wanted to leave. That's what it was. uh, Whatever the case is, it's personality issues. There's a lot going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. Yeah, that's true. You know, Laviolette did great, does very well wherever he goes, and he doesn't hold his job. I mean, he does better than – I mean, Tortorella won the cup with Tampa, but I don't see Tortorella. Laviolette won the cup too with Carolina. Right, with Carolina. I think that that's the kind of coach you need because I'm going to call it like a hybrid coach. You know the style of play I like, but I think from hearing Gallant's interview after the incident with Wilson, I, I when you guys sent that out, that uh, Instagram thing, I liked what he said. If he's not an X's and O's guys like we talked about, you don't really need to be. He's got to know a lot about hockey. So to say he's not an X's and O's guy, maybe he's not reinventing the game, but I'm sure he has theories and systems he wants to put into place, but maybe he doesn't get that well, point put across to the players as well. So he needs guys to do that. And all teams have, I talked about it. The Islanders, they got like a 10 coach staff. Yeah. No, they, you well, know, when I say he's not a guy, when I say he's not an X's and O's guy, I mean, like, you know, there's some coaches that aren't going to really, they're, they're just all about business and like, here's the play, follow my play. Do Correct. this. Do that. He, he probably has plays. I'm not saying he doesn't know X's and O's. I'm just saying he's more of like a player's coach. No, I understand what you're saying. You know? I get it. I think I read something that Scotty Bowman didn't even go to practice or something like that. Yeah, something like that, too, actually. A while ago, I read that. Well, again, Um, if you watch that Red Army show, Scotty Bowman did not want to give in to the Russian players playing together. And then finally it clicked, and he had to give in to just letting the five play together and go with it, and they won the cup. They just freaking ran over everybody. It's hilarious. You know, he didn't want to give in to that, and it's, it's something like a Tom Coughlin situation. That's why Tortorella is not going to – he's going to have difficulty succeeding. I wouldn't want Tortorella back. I, love I don't Tortorella. think they should get Torts back either. I love no, Tortorella. It's not going to happen. It's not – this team is not for him. I want to see Tortorella in between periods on TNT or ESPN. That's what I want to that, see. That's, a, oh, yeah, that's, that's, where, that's where he's going to end up. He, he's going to do that and end up fired. That's what's going <laughs> to happen. Yeah, in a week he's going to say yeah. something. They're going to be like, no, nah, we can't do this. Never mind. Dude, Imagine I don't know. Barkley, Barkley and Shaq get away with a lot of shit. They got Gretzky on there. You saw that? Uh-huh. To do in between periods? Yeah, yeah, that's why he quit. So That's imagine Gretzky he... and Tortorella in between the periods. Awesome. That would be that would be interesting. Anyway, uh, so Rick Tockett, what kind of coach is he? Well, he was an assistant with Pittsburgh. He won two cups uh, under Mike Sullivan in Pittsburgh, and then he got the head coaching gig in Arizona, which was just a complete shit show. I mean, the GM there it wasn't violated. His fault. Yeah, I mean, he violated rules. They lost draft picks. They they made all these wacky trades and stuff and signings. It wasn't a good situation for anybody. Uh, you know, a lot of the players aren't developing right. It's just a bad situation. So I can't really judge uh, him by his win-loss record. But from what I have heard from him, because I've heard him be interviewed before, I can't remember where, but I've heard his interview. He's spe- he speaks to understanding how to coach players like like Phil Kessel. 
right? Like he's a, he's a notoriously difficult player to coach and he knows how to coach those kinds of guys. And if you, if you just think about Rod Brindamore, right. And you're like, well, what kind of player is Rod Brindamore and what kind of coach is he? It's the same. He's the, the way he played the game is how he coaches it. Right. So Rick Tockett, what kind of player was Rick Tockett? You know, he was a tough as nails, gritty player, power forward, you know, a guy that would drop the gloves who could score goals. If he coaches with that kind of a mindset and he knows how to get through to players yeah, he doesn't have the head coaching Stanley Cup experience, but he's won cups as a coach, as an assistant. So he has that, you know, he might be a good option too. So I'm, I'm not going to, you know, write off the Rick Tockett thing. I know a lot of fans are like, oh, that would be a mistake. You know, I those, don't think those type of players make the best coaches. Yeah. Superstars he's a, he's a don't make te- good coaches. He's a good, te- he was a good teammate, a gritty guy, you know, a guy that would fight for you, a guy that would uh, do whatever it took to win. He won the cup as a player. He won the cup as an assistant. Seems like he's got a good pedigree, so he's an option. And I think the real reason the Rangers don't have a coach right now, and honestly, I think it's because Gerard Gallant's probably the favorite. I think the reason he's not the coach is they're waiting to see what Carolina does with Rod Brindamore with his contract coming up. Are they going to be able to re-sign him? And they're waiting to see if Pittsburgh fires Mike Sullivan because those are probably the two guys that the Rangers want. You know, and I think out of all of them, I would take Mike Sullivan first. Well, I think Brindamore is the guy. He's yeah, the he's the probably. Yeah, he's probably the target. Whether or not he actually will leave Carolina, I don't know. He might leverage Carolina with uh, the prospect of going to the Rangers or another team like Seattle. You know, Ron Francis is the GM in Seattle. They're looking for a coach, right? So maybe uh, he's got a relationship with Ron Francis. So maybe he goes there. He can, I don't know. I don't really see him leaving Carolina, but I think they're doing their due diligence. Why rush and sign Gallant now when there might be a better option in a month, you know, so... Those two are, are dark horses, but, you know, I think it's going to end up being Gallant ultimately. And like I said, if he's here for three or four years and, and the team takes some steps and becomes a contender, then that's fine. Then we'll figure it out from there, you know? I don't – I mean, I'm, I understand what Eddie was trying to say when he says mis, misfits, but I don't – they're not misfits. They were just a, a group of different style players Strap. that he brought together, and that's the, the situation that the Rangers are in. They well, when he's they have a different group style of different player, style different players, draft picks. And they, you know, yeah. he adds that little bit of grit. He understands that what you need to do, and obviously, the success they had that year was amazing. So, well, I think what he was talking about, I don't, I don't know if he was talking about this actually. I read what he said as being with Canada winning this uh, world championship, being a group of misfits. Did you mean Vegas when you when you said that? Maybe I misunderstood you. Eddie said it. That's what I was relating. Well, he's muted. Oh. Me or him? You, when you said misfits, when you said. Oh, oh I was talking about Vegas. I, I didn't really follow the uh, world championship. Oh, whatever. okay. No. So yeah, Vegas. I, I I mean, look, that team, the expansion draft was set up, you know, and, and that, that's going to lead into another topic we have. You know, the expansion draft was set up the first time to make Vegas a good team from the get go. I mean, that's why. The, the lists were so short, you can only protect seven, three, and one. Uh, seven, four is three, D, one goalie because they wanted Vegas to get some good players, you know? And I, I, I mean, that's how I it kind of be. agree with coach that I don't necessarily think they're a bunch of misfits. It was kind of guys that were blocked, you know, depth guys that were blocked by better players on other teams' rosters. They ended up with a, a greater opportunity. I mean, they ended up with Mark Andre as their starting goalie. I mean, when I say misfits, I mean, none of them were under the same developmental program. None of them were under the same, like, whatever prospect program. Well, you're saying misfits because the they – On the same they team. Were, they, were, they were players that other teams were willing to let go. So it's kind of like – I'm not going to – yeah. So yeah. they just – You know, remember remember the land of the misfit right. toys? It was, was all the toys that the kids I thought you guys want. would make, you know. 
I was going to make the Rudolph reference. Let me tell you something. When when I watched, We're, we have to have one movie reference per. When episode. we watched, when I watched that with Theo, and she had never seen it. When it got to that scene with the Land of Misfit Toys, she she, she was like, "What the hell is going on?" Like it took like the movie take. If you watch it again, the movie takes such a weird turn when they get to the Land of Misfit Toys. It's really a strange part of the movie. But anyway, that's for a different podcast. <laughs> But uh, we'll get into the expansion draft a little bit. But I mean, what do you guys you guys think it's going to be Gallant, or do you have no idea? You're just going to wait and see. What do you guys think? I mean, just by what I've been reading, he's in the lead. You saying otherwise gives me hopes that Brindamore is still an option. I think that'd be great. It's got to be somebody that can handle the big city. Also, he handled Vegas. I'm sure that was crazy out there. That's a show place. You see when they play there, what goes on. It's got to be someone that can, you know, it's like a player going to New York City. It's, it's big. Well, going to Toronto, you know, it's a lot to handle. Yeah. Can he I also think Tockett. Yeah. And I also think Tockett's only like a step above Quinn in terms of experience. I mean, I, I mean, I guess that, that two assistant captain, the two cups, obviously more experience, but like, I think we need another. We need a, we, I think we need a, a veteran, like a coach. veteran head coach, not a veteran coach. No, I, I agree with that. I, I just didn't want to write talk it off because I think he's a good coaching candidate and I think he'll probably be a good coach. No, you definitely Whether, sold him well, for sure. Made me think about it. But I, I think I agree. I prefer a guy who's been an NHL coach and had some success. Doesn't have to be a cup winner, but just somebody who's had success and yeah. you know, we know we know that he can carry a team into the playoffs. You know, that's I don't right. think there's time to a wait team for another play coach for him. to develop. I think we need a, a, a legitimate experienced coach yeah it's important to see like a team that like will play for in front of him like a team like vegas did like he was able to bring them together yeah they were all good players but like they were able to buy into the same system buy into the same message and play for him you know so i think that's what the rangers need they were start they started they're like the rangers are a good team and they did but when they buy into the same message and, and play the same way with this, the, the right intensity and the same intensity they are a very successful team if they can do that consistently, and I think that's where the coaching comes comes into play. They almost need like a perfect storm. They need the right coach. They need to Panera not to disappear for 12 games. They need Mika <laughs> not to get hurt. They need Mika to play at a good level. All these things were like it was a like we talked about with Quinn. He ran into two seasons of a lot of bullshit. And he did okay. I mean, look, you want to analyze his stats. He did okay for two seasons that were interrupted. Well, they were saying, uh, I was reading in the post today, Larry Brooks article, um, he actually said that the Rangers uh, haven't, or they've considered not in the running. Tortorella is not in the running. Babcock's not. Uh, Patrick Waugh, Claude Julian, and Bruce Boudreau, he's not considering. He's interviewed Tockett twice, and uh, reports are he, he had a favorable impression, and he's also interviewed Galan a couple of times around the Team Canada thing. So those are really the two guys he's targeting, I guess. Um and it looks like Quinn might actually land on his feet in either Columbus or Arizona. Not really. That's not the New York Rangers. Those teams aren't very good. But uh, yeah, but you know, know what? That's where you need. That's, that's the position the Rangers the, were in. Yeah, no, that's where he needed to get the experience. Like again, go back to Belichick. He got his experience, and he and his he broke in with Cleveland. He he did bad in Cleveland, but he got all that experience. And then you move on to the big, you know, the bigger uh, city. Well, yeah, I think Quinn would be a good fit for either of those teams. You know, they're in the they're going to be rebuilding. And look, he's clearly a guy who knows how to coach young players. Whether he did it well or not with the Rangers, we can talk about another time. But so obviously, then JD was he's going to be around for a a fan of his. Then obviously, if he gets to Columbus, then we know JD liked him. Yeah, so 
That'd be interesting. Anyway, let's move on. So other news, the Rangers signed one of their top prospects and one of the top prospects in the NHL, Nils Lundqvist, um, to a three-year ELC. So that's exciting. There was questions. Uh, Larry Brooks threw out there whether or not he would actually sign with the Rangers because of their depth. But that's out the window. He is signed. But that creates other questions. So is he going to start on the team? Right. So that's the first question. Are they going to throw him right into the NHL uh, now that he's developed in Sweden a little bit? And uh, the second question is, are they going to use him as trade bait? You know, now that he's under contract, he's easier to trade because a team like Buffalo with Jack Eichel or Florida with Barkov or, you know, any of these teams that might have a top player available might be a little risky trading for him if he's unsigned because he can always walk when his rights expire. Now that he's under contract, he's more viable as a trade chip as well. And we also have a log jam at right D. We got Adam Fox, who's going to win the Norris Trophy. Jacob Truba, who signed to an $8 million deal for, what, another five or six years. We got Braden Schneider, who we just drafted in the first round in Hartford. And now we got Lundqvist. All these guys are right defensemen. Whether or not one of them can shift to left eventually, maybe. We've, you know, we've done that ad nauseum in the past. But it's unlikely Schneider and Lundqvist are both going to be on the team unless they find a way to move Truba at some point, whether they even want to move Truba. So I don't know. I mean, the question is, do, you know, do you think they're going to just throw him right into the roster? Because it seems like their mandate is to compete right away. You know, so the, the, I mean, in my mind, if that's what you're trying to do, they need to get some veteran defensemen. They have a lot of young defensemen. You know, you're throwing another young defenseman in there. Is that really indicative of a team that's trying to win right away? So, I mean, Ed, what do you think? I mean, do you think do you think they're going to dangle him in a trade or do you think they're going to just throw him in the roster or you think maybe they'll let him develop in Hartford for a little bit? I think they're going to end up trading a player like Jones or Hayek before they trade one of their prospects. Um, I think they prefer to like let him cook in Hartford for a little bit and then it might be a competition between him and Schneider and uh, let them develop together. And I know they're, they play a much different game, but I guess it might be in terms of how the rest of the def- defense plays and wh- what they might need at the time. I mean, if Truba goes down again, they might want to bring up Schneider for some muscle, you know, if they, if uh, I don't know, if Fox goes down, God forbid, they might need someone like Lundqvist to come in. Yeah, I mean, you know, so, so they so might be able to play it by year in that sense. Let's look at <laughs> let's look at it though, and inform the fans and and Coach Ed as to like what he exactly he is. I mean, he's so he's twenty years old. He's a right-handed shot. He's uh, he's only five ten though. He's another one of these guys that's a good puck moving two way defenseman. Uh, but he's not he's not a big guy. He's five ten, but he's got great puck skills and mobility. He put up a lot of points in Sweden. He had fourteen goals, eight power play goals, thirty two points in fifty two games. Uh, fifth in the entire Swedish elite league among all defensemen. And it's only 20 years old, you know? So, and he also rifles the puck on net, you know, he averaged three shots on goal game. So he's not a guy who's afraid to get the puck to the net. He clearly knows how to get it through screens in front. He really took a step forward this year. And he also played a lot. He played over 20 minutes a game. Uh, so when you're looking at him, you're saying it's kind of similar type player to Adam Fox, you know, how it's many not games, how many games did they play in the Swedish league? He played in 52 games. No, in a uh, season. Oh, he played in 52? He played in 52. I think that they maybe play that many or maybe a few more. But he also won the Salming Trophy, which is the award for the best Swedish-born player in the Swedish Elite League. So so when you look at him, I mean, I read his scouting report and I watch his play. And he, I'm not saying he's as good as Adam Fox, but he's that kind of a guy. You know, another 5'10 to 6'0" mobile guy, not a strong guy. You look at Braden Schneider, right? Braden Schneider's a big dude. He's physical. He's mean. He also can move the puck. 
He's also a good skater. He kind of reminds me of Jacob Truba, you know, so we, it's like, what, what really do we want here? Do we need to make this decision now? And in the really, in reality, the way I think of it is this to you, in order to make a trade for an impact player, you got to give to get, you're not going to be able to get any of these top players and bring somebody into this team without giving up a, a Kraftsoff or a Lundqvist or a Schneider or somebody, somebody's going to have to get traded. It's not going to be Kako or Lafreniere. It's unlikely. So it, I, I mean, really, if you're the Rangers and you say we're loaded with all these right D, you might look at him as a redundant piece having Fox already, right? And say, let's maximize his trade value now. He's a top prospect. Who can we get for him? And if it's worth it, trade him, you know, but I, th- I think they'll explore that. I don't think they're going to close the door on, on trading him. I think that's going to be a significant option for them, especially if a, a top player becomes available that Dolan has his heart set on. I, I think Dolan's still that involved. Yeah, I think he made that clear that he's uh, paying attention. I don't know if he's involved, but I think he's paying attention. I mean, if you can get, and, and I don't really want Jack Eichel. Uh, I mean, we've talked about it, but if you could, if you have to get, get if you're going to trade for Jack Eichel, who are you going to give up? I don't think Dolan wants a player like Eichel. If you think he's that involved in, in, in the moves that he's been making and the comments that he's been making and stuff like that, I think he would rather a player like the Kachuk brothers, like you've been saying. Yeah. So if you're going to go get Matthew Kachuk and you have to give him but up, do it. I read that they're you know, both like, probably untouchable by their respected team. So. And they should be. Yeah, they should be. Senators um, are probably going to offer uh, Matthew, right? Matthew or Brady? Brady's on Ottawa. Brady, this uh, captainship in the offseason. <clears throat> Listen, I mean, I Look, think... if, he, if he's listed as 5'10", he's not 5'10", right off the bat. So are you guys watching the playoffs? Obviously, you're watching some playoff hockey. You yes, sir. cannot have too many of these five foot ten, quote unquote, five foot ten defensemen. Defensemen, no. You're okay. not going to survive the playoffs. Not that at that level. The NHL is not there yet. I know it's heading there, maybe in 20 years, but it's. Not I don't think it's yet. ever going to be there. I think there, there's always going to be big guys, or at least enough, enough of them that can also skate in the NHL. I mean, look at Hedman. I think that's more rare now to find someone like that. So I think that's the the. I think that's the whatever trend that the defensemen are going at least. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, the defensemen you, are going to get smaller. So it's like Eddie said, I'm going to say it's Hayek is on the bubble Jones. You got these guys that they have to use to move, to get some players. I don't think anyone's off the table. I well, mean, what I think, kind of, the question like, is cousin had said, like there are going to be, they're going to take calls on everyone. The question is value there. though, guys, it's value. Right. So you got, you got to realize when these GMs are talking, when, when the teams are the scouts and all these uh, the whole staff is sitting there debating whether we should make a trade or not. They're, they're assigning an, a value to these players as if they're an asset. You know, it's like, it's like owning a bunch of houses. You know, you own a house in the middle of Manhattan, you know, or, you, or an apartment in the middle of Manhattan with a rooftop, or you own a house out in, you know, the Hamptons versus owning one in, in a rundown neighborhood. You know, which one are you going to value more and are you willing to give up more for so Lundqvist carries significantly more value than a guy like Hayek, you know? So yeah, they might want, they might prefer to move Hayek or, or Jones, but they don't carry the value even together, even combined, you know, I don't think they have the same value as Lundqvist would in a trade. And I think coach is right. I mean, look, Adam Fox is listed at 5'11", 181, you know, that's not big. It's not. And then when you look at Lundqvist, he's listed at 5'10", 174. Now, look, I, well, he's just- I like the kid. I think he's talented. I think he's going to be a good NHL player, but we can't really afford to have two of our right D be 
the same size and and skill set. You got to get the ice time too. Don't forget. Right. So and you you put him on the ice. You got to take Fox from twenty five minutes to eighteen minutes if you want to get them all ice time. So you're taking that. You know, you take right. And you're you're looking at Schneider, who's listed as six two two ten, and he's only nineteen. So he might even be, you know, 6'2", 225 by the time not he even makes a, He's not even a man yet. You know what I mean? So he, to me, the I, I don't think they should rush to make a decision, but if there's a player out there, like a Matthew Kachuk or whatever, if they can get one of those guys and they have to give up Lundqvist and he can be a valuable asset in that kind of a deal, do it. Pull the trigger. Like, you're not going to keep all these prospects. I it's, love them all. I like following them, but you can't have all of them. They can't it's still, all play. It's still – he's – no matter how much talent he's got, he's still a question mark in the NHL. So if he's got right. that value, you could use it. You could use it now. God forbid he's a bust. Then you're like, oh, shit, we should have traded him. It's a safe gamble. So it's not a bad gamble. But, you could, but you if could he be is all... as good as Fox, it's hard to give somebody like that up. No, I know. Right, so that's I, I the other thing. I play, but still. That's the Leas, other thing. Maybe Leas Leas Anderson was a high prospect, too. Yeah, yeah, he was. He was a very but high he prospect, but he also yeah. wasn't. He was a, he wasn't winning awards like Blunquist is. Yeah, but he was he was a high prospect at the time he was drafted. He was considered a little bit of a reach by the Rangers, and he also was never really projected to be like a top six player or anything like that. He was projected to be a like a captain, middle sixer, you know, a gritty player. He wasn't projected to be like a top top player. Lundqvist is projected to be a first pairing right D, first power play unit. 50 point defenseman, like two way mobile guy. Well, I mean, then that's, your, then that's your answer. They can't keep him. Well, I think you, I, I don't think you give him away, but no, you, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there's not a spot for a player like that if you're keeping Fox. Well, you could put him in the third pairing right D slot this year and put Schneider and Hartford, let Schneider cook, let him learn. You could put Lunkovis right in there. He's 20 years old, let him play and get him a veteran lefty, not Hayek. Or, or Potato, or you know any of these guys, like a good quality left defenseman to pair with him. And listen, if he plays well, he's got value. You can still trade him. If he doesn't play well, send him to Hartford. Let him develop more. I think that's a possibility too. So I mean, I don't, who knows? I don't think there's time for it personally. They're not going to have that kind of patience right now. Well, they put Miller right in. And he did fine. Yeah, you think, know. Well, I think I have an idea for a segment. Yeah. Cousin Ed, cousin Ed's prospect oven. Because you always <laughs> let say cook. let them cook. Well, I that's because I liked. I think it's important that players develop. Like these kids are drafted at eighteen years old, dude. You know, and cousin what are you Ed's talking fishing. about? You're like, you're like, what are they bringing Kratz off in? The kid's like freaking. Looks like he's fifteen. No, no, no. So when I say let them develop, there's certain players that are ready to play, and you got to lock them down. And then there's other guys who need more time, like a guy like Schneider. Listen, he's a big physical defenseman. He's not going to jump into the NHL at 19 and be the player he is at 25. Look at Jacob Truba. Jacob Truba is a perfect example. When he was drafted, he was a high pick. He played well in Winnipeg. They brought him in. He had some eh years, then he had a big year. And now look at Jacob Truba, the player he is now, and the reliable defenseman he's become. That's not who he was at 20 years old. You know, so a guy like Schneider, yeah, he's going to be ready to play soon, but he's not going to really be the Braden Schneider the Rangers need until he's 24, 25 years old. I mean, that's just the reality, you know, so you got to be patient with these guys. And if you're trying to win now, 
you got to let them cook a little bit and fill those spots with quality players without giving them up. That's the problem. A guy like Lundqvist, though, I think he's probably NHL ready based on what he's been doing in Sweden. He's probably ready to jump in. He could be sheltered in a third-pairing role and, and traded later at the deadline or whoever for a quality asset, or they can shop him now. I mean, who knows? We, we're just speculating, but it's an interesting – well, there's a couple of scenarios. You got to see who they lose in the expansion draft, is it, right? There's a lot of stuff going on, so it's not going to. When is the expansion draft? The expansion draft's what? July. July, I think you had sent out the fifteenth or something. Brings us into our next topic. Yeah, it, it shifts us right into our next topic. Um, it's July twenty-first, and yeah, so let's just talk about that and how that could affect things. You know what's um, cool? You know what I think about now? I just thought about now. Imagine like in the in the war room, wherever the offices are in the garden, and they have like the 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 dry erase ball with all these players. It's got to be like, imagine going into work every day and saying, okay, what are we going to do? We got to sign. What are we, what are we doing? If we do this, they get that. If we do, it's got to be crazy. If we get this coach, we need this kind of player. If we get that coach, we got there's a lot of question marks right now for a team that's in a developing stage or in the, in the, in the back end of the developing stage or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's gotta, it's gotta be a fun process. I, I really enjoy the team building aspect of sports. You know, obviously you guys know that I, I really like that side of it, but you know, listen, so with the expansion draft and I, I don't really think it'll affect uh, where Lundqvist plays, but let's just, let's just jump right into it. So the last expansion draft was 2017 with Vegas. The same rules are going to apply with Seattle. The Kraken are going to get to pick one player from each team, except Vegas. So Vegas is exempt. They'll end up with a total of 30 players. It has to be uh, uh, 14 forwards, 9D, and three goalies. So they have specific rules they need to follow. Uh, They have to have at least 20 players that are under contract next year, but they can draft players who are not under contract as well. So who needs to be protected? Anybody with a no-movement clause has to be protected by that team. The team doesn't have an option. So someone like Milan Lucic in Calgary, they have to protect Milan Lucic. He can waive that clause for the expansion draft if they ask him. He can choose to waive it, and he actually did say that. So some guys will waive their no-movement clause. I think Flurry did it for Pittsburgh uh, when Vegas took him. But any, they have to be protected. Uh, all first- and second-year professionals and unsigned draft picks do not need to be protected. They're exempt which helps the Rangers a lot. Being a team that's rebuilding, a lot of our quality assets are exempt, like Lafreniere and Kakko and Kraftsov. These guys don't have to be protected. How many games do they have to play? What's so, considered the first, second year? Like, well, Sturkin played the 10 games and then... He's exempt. He's exempt. I'm saying, but not just him, but say a player played two seasons of 10 games. Is, he, is that a second-year player? So it's more, it's more, the rules are more geared towards who you have to expose. It goes by draft year. Draft year and when they signed. Okay. To answer your question, but the rules are more geared towards who the players, who the teams have to expose. So they have to expose one defenseman minimum who's under contract next year and has played 40 games the season prior or 70 total games in the previous two seasons and two forwards with the same qualifications that have are under contract and played 40 games last year or 70 games this year. Prior. Yeah, so you can't just bring up a guy from the AHL and say he's unprotected. Correct. So they also have to have one goalie who's under contract and exposed, and that's going to be Kincaid. That's why they signed him. That's why they signed Potato and Rooney and all these guys, because they meet they now meet the qualifications for the Rangers to expose guys. Those guys are under contract on the second year. And yeah, so how does that impact the Rangers? Well, if you look at the roster, remember, they can protect seven forwards, three defensemen, and one goalie. So Shesterkin's exempt. They're going to protect Georgiev 
because he has value. So they'll expose Kincaid. That's probably, they're probably not going to take Kincaid. On D, you got Truba, who's got a no-move clause. So you got to protect him. And you got Lindgren needs to be protected. So he's the second one. Fox is exempt. Keandre Miller is exempt. Zach Jones is exempt. So the third D spot is either going to be Hayek or Batetto. What about Smith? Smith's an unrestricted free agent, so you don't have to protect him. And that's, listen, that's going on around the league too. For example, Ovechkin is an unrestricted free agent. I guarantee you he signs the day after the expansion draft. <laughs> Why would they sign him before? Have to protect him, you know? So right. they'll probably sign him the day after the expansion draft. You'll see that happen a lot. Then on forward. But can Smith, but can Smith still get picked up by Seattle? Just sign? I mean, they can select him as the pick from the Rangers, but he can walk, he can walk away. I mean, no, can he just sign with them? Well, if he's a free agent, oh, the yeah. free agency is after the draft. Right. Gotcha. I, mean, I, love Brent, I love Brendan Smith, but I'm sure there's going to be a lot of other defensemen. that are. They're not going to take Brendan Smith. Yeah. So then you, on, on forward, you got Artemi Panarin, Chris Kreider, Mika Zibanejad, all in no move clauses. Got to keep those. Then you got Strom, Bushnevich, and uh, Hedl, who have to be protected. That's six. That's six forwards. The question is, who's the seventh forward? Who's the seventh guy that you protect? And that really comes down to Colin Blackwell, Brett Howden, and Julian Gauthier, and Rooney. Those are the four. So one of those four guys they can protect. Uh, so the question is for you guys to ponder, are you protecting Hayek, or are you trying to maybe trade for a defenseman who you can protect? For example, in Nashville, you know, Nashville, if you look at Nashville, it's a good example of what, why I'm bringing this up. You look at their D, they got Roman Yossi, Ryan Ellis, Matias Ekholm, Dante Fabro, that's already four legitimate quality defensemen. They can't protect all four of those guys unless they use the 8-1 format instead of the 7-3-1, which means they'll end up exposing more forwards now, right? So you can choose this to keep eight skaters and one goalie if you want to keep a fourth defenseman, but you're going to expose three forwards that you would have been able to protect. Instead of 10? No, so you can – yeah, instead of 10 skaters, exactly. You wow. can protect seven forwards or three and 3D. Or, or just eight skaters. Or. So Nashville, for example, they're rumored to be wanting to trade Matias Ekholm, who is a 31-year-old defenseman. He's got one year left on his deal, under four mil, and then he's unrestricted. A veteran guy, solid, physical, big player. Someone I would be interested in pairing with Lundqvist, honestly, on a third pairing if they could get him. You know, do you go and try and acquire a guy to then use that last protection spot on – a quality player or are you going to just protect Hayek because there's no one else you have to protect and just expose potato. I mean, what would you guys do? You think the Rangers are going to try and bring someone in via trade, take advantage of maybe another team's, you know, issue like the in protection issues and take advantage of them and try and acquire one of their guys. Matt Dumba is another example. In all, Minnesota. That, all this information you're giving is way above my pay grade, first of all. But if you can get a guy that that style of player of Ekholm from 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 Nashville, that's a you know if he's a, if he's a hard nosed defenseman, that's a good pick. That's a good pickup. Yeah, I mean he's six four, two fifteen. He's a left handed defenseman. You know, you know that's right up my alley. Here, let me just narrow it down. I mean, my I question. like Hayek, but he, is he going to ever be that kind of physical player? I doubt it. Let I mean, me narrow it down my question. I also don't so, think Seattle would take a player like Hayek. So, like you said, it'd be pointless to protect someone like him. So, I think if the option's there, I think it's a, it's somewhat of a no brainer, and doesn't really sound like Nashville has much leverage in terms of 
like a, a return for a player like him. Well, they might because other teams might look to take advantage. But so here's here's the benefit for the Rangers because they're they're lined up so well with expansion, and that's mostly due to Jeff Gordon and John Davidson having the foresight to line them up, and the fact that they're rebuilding. Not every team is lined up like us. Teams are not in a position to acquire a defenseman and then keep that defenseman in the expansion draft. So if you if you really parse through the rosters, which I haven't, but if you do. There's probably like five or six teams who can pick up an Ekholm and really not care about exposing a guy like Hayek or something like that. So I think you're right on the leverage issue. I think they have some leverage. He's a good player. They're not going to get nothing for him. But I don't know. I mean, my question really is, should the Rangers use the fact that they have two protection spots that honestly, if we lost any of those guys, I wouldn't lose sleep. If we lost Gauthier, Howden, Rooney, Blackwell, or Hayek, oh, that's a win. I don't care. Like, no, that's, no, that's nothing significant. Right. That's fine. That means they did it. That's fine. You're going to lose someone. It's none of those guys are, are killing me, you know? So should we take advantage of that and maybe... Yeah, I mean, last time we lost Oscar Lindbergh. That's what I mean. Same thing. I mean, it, stu- it stung for half a second and then it was forgotten. Right. That's exactly my point. I, I mean, was going to ask you I- we lost. I didn't remember. I'd rather, I mean, there you go. Point exactly. I, exactly. I don't really want to lose Gauthier, but I mean, if that's who it is, it, that's who it is. You know, it's not a big uh, deal. Yeah. You know, he's just a, a big forward who could skate. So I like that. You know, I'd rather let him develop more. But if we have to lose him and that's the guy, that's not a big deal. He's, you know, so, so the reality is, should we take advantage? The question I'm asking is, should we take advantage of other teams who maybe are like, oh shit, we're going to lose this guy in expansion. We got to get something for him. And try and like use like a second round pick, a third round pick, a prospect who maybe we don't have a lot of high hopes on and get somebody and then use that last spot to protect that guy. You know, I think that might be something the Rangers can take advantage of if they're smart and they look around the, the league at the other team's rosters. I mean, I'm sure they are, they're doing that. I mean, I'm sure, I don't know if you guys have put much thought into that, but the, the point is. I put about zero thought into that. <laughs> the, po- it. the point is they have an opportunity is what I'm trying to say. There's a chance that they could take advantage of another team before Seattle takes advantage of them, if they're smart, you know? And then, so of those four guys, Gauthier, Howden, Rooney, and Blackwell, let's say they don't take advantage of other teams and they, they protect one. Coach, who would you protect of those four guys? It would come down to Rooney and Blackwell, in my opinion. I understand what you're saying about Gauthier, but is there ever going to be, realistically in the next three years, is there a spot for him? As a wing on this line, you got Lafreniere, Kako. You don't have wings. You, you want to keep Bushnevich. You don't have a spot for him if he's going to get to that level of offense that you're hoping for. So I would say you need the, the gritty players we need to keep. So who would you keep, Rooney or Blackwell? I'll go with Blackwell. Ed, who would you keep? I mean, you got to go with Blackwell. Um, none of the other players really did much for me. I mean, I could see Gauthier, I don't know, kind of developing into a solid, like, fourth-line player, but – you don't really see much of it now. I mean, I think now would be the time to see him throw his body around a little bit more than he does. Is he a solid and be a little bit more player? physical? Is he a solid fourth line player, or is he someone like Lemieux who's going to want more ice time somewhere else? I, I think he's a top nine guy who's missed. That's what I'm saying. So, is there a spot for him in the future? I don't know. I we need... I don't think he's a top nine guy for the Rangers. I mean, well, if you, you trade, look at their if roster, trade, like, if you trade it opens up a right wing spot. You well, know, I mean, right now I don't think so. And if, if you're going to give me the option of trading Bushnevich, you'd have to get somebody in return for him, which I don't think would still leave a spot for Gauchia. It's true. You know, could, like, they, could, they could acquire someone who would fill that spot anyway. I think if you're trading Bushnevich, you're, you're trading for a top nine forward. 
or at least packaging him for somebody like that. I don't think you're patch- packaging Bushnevich for the veteran defenseman that you were just talking about. Well, for me, for me, it would be between Blackwell and Gauthier. I mean, I would expose Rooney and Howden. To me, they're identical players. I Rooney's agree. Just a, Rooney's just a little better and more advanced. I mean, either so, way, I agree. It's hard to say if, if, hard to say if Seattle would want Blackwell because of his age. Or well, the thing with Blackwell. Experienced player. The thing with – this, this is what I see. I see if Seattle takes Gauthier, it's going to be like when Vegas took Alex, Alex Took and look what he's doing with Vegas. Same kind of player, a big, fast winger, you know, and developed on Vegas, was, you know, blocked on his old team. I think that's probably going to be the same thing with Gauthier if Seattle takes him. I think he'll be like a second-line winger and have a chance to perform. And maybe that's what's best for him, honestly. But if I'm the Rangers, I'm, I'm thinking – there's two ways they could think about it. They could say, who's the, the guy we should keep for right now? Or who's the better player in the next over the next three or four years? And if they think that way, they might keep Gauthier. We don't really yeah. know what Jer- what Drury thinks. Right. Because I think it's Wait. pretty clear Quinn didn't like Gauthier. You know, so we don't know if a new coach will like him or not either. That's the other thing. Well, he could he could uh, thrive under another coach too, like you said. So who knows? Yeah, I mean, like, I wouldn't what about, be what about if they take Blackwell. What about trading Bushnevich for Ekholm and Pekarene? Well, Pekarene is retiring, so that would be a Oh, he is? Deal. I didn't know that. Yeah, that would be a horrible deal. Well, I wouldn't trade Bushnevich for Ekholm. I wouldn't trade Bushnevich for Ekholm. Ekholm only has one year left on his deal, and then he's unrestricted. If I'm trading Bushnevich, I want to get a young center who is, you know, has some team control and, uh, and then just some assets in addition to that, some picks or whatever. I think I think if you trade Bushnevich, you need to target a team like like Vegas or you know Toronto or whatever. And one of these teams that are like not they're just falling short. They need to add another guy, someone who could penalty kill, play second line or third line wing, and they just want to get a good, you know, quality guy in there. Wasn't Hyman rumored to uh, be available for Toronto? Hyman's unrestricted. Oh he'd be a good pickup, a- but he's gonna be costly. He's going to be costly. But anyway, that's what the Rangers should be doing with Bushnevich, and they should be like in Vegas. They got two young centers there. Okay. They, they haven't give, given them a chance to play. Try and get one of those guys, Krebs or, or Glass. They can get one of those guys out of Vegas. I'd be fine trading him in a deal like that, but I wouldn't trade him for a 31-year-old defenseman who has one year left on his deal. I'd trade like Zach Jones and a pick for Ekholm. That I would do in a heartbeat, you know, and then Nashville might be interested in that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I get excited during the offseason, as you guys can see. It's, I like this part of the year. Well, adding to the draft topic, or I guess we can kind of end on this, is the upcoming just regular draft. The Rangers are picking 15th overall, right? Yeah, we'll see if they even make that pick. I think they might trade it. I don't know. I mean, the NHL, the 15th pick is kind of insignificant, right? It's insignificant, but when you're they're living in a cap world. And I know, Coach, I know you hate the salary cap stuff, and you're not really into I it. I don't hate it. I just don't have time to follow all this. No, I, I get it. But so you have to always I don't be – know thinking, how you have time to follow all this. In order – well, that's what, I, that's what I'm interested in. You know? That's so why when the shelf's not – Right. So when you're uh, when you're trying to build a team in a salary cap world, you need to have you're going to have your top guys who you pay, right? The veteran guys, Panarin, Zibanejad, Fox. Like these guys are going to be guys they pay. So how do you stay competitive over a long period of time when the guys who are on the team, like Kravtsov and Hedl and Bushnevich and Strom, we can't keep all of them. They're not going to be Rangers for their whole career because of the salary cap. So what do you do? How do you continuously succeed? You keep filling it in through your farm system with guys who are developing. 
So the guy the Rangers draft this year, yeah, he's not going to make an immediate impact. But if they pick a guy like like Atu Rady, uh, who's a prospect that I, I think they might take in that spot, he's going to play in Finland for three years. And then in three years, when Filipinos do a new contract and we have no salary cap space, they're going to trade Filipino and they're going to promote this kid to the roster and he's going to take a spot making nothing. So that's how that's why those picks are important and why you can't trade all of them. You know, you could trade first round picks. I'm not saying you should ever trade a first round pick, but they're important picks because of the salary cap. And and the, look, the, the well, that's what I meant. I didn't mean an insignificant pick. Totally. You mean I he's mean, not going to contribute as far as an impact player? They should trade Hedl. I think they can do one or two things with Hedl. You either lock him up for like six years. No way. Wait a second. That's too much of a question mark. Hold on. You either lock him up for like six years at like four million no per year, or or you trade him, or you trade him. Because I think I think bridging Heedle is going to be a mistake because one or two things will happen. He's either going to suck, and then you're going to have to just trade him for nothing in two years, or he's going to blow up and cost too much money. So it's a risk, a calculated risk. Like look what they did with Brady Shea. When Brady Shea was due for a contract, he gave him a five-year deal, $5 million a year. Turned out to be a bad contract. It wasn't really a great contract. But they got a first-round pick for him. They were able to still trade him. It's not like if they sign Heedle for six years and, you know, if he doesn't develop any further than he is now, it's still a tradable contract. It's not like they'll have to eat his salary or have to keep him for all six years. You know, it's a worthy, it's a worthwhile chance. Cause if he develops into a 50, 60 point center, well, now you got one locked up for 4 million a year for the, for another four or five years, that could be a valuable contract. Like a Strom, look at Strom. Strom put up how many points last year? 4.5 mil. So if, if he eventually gets to that point and he's locked in at four mil, that enables you to bring in other guys and pay them. You know, it's, it's a, it's a numbers game with the salary cap. It really is very complex. You know, these, these front offices have a lot of guys, doing crunching all these numbers and figuring out how much space do we have in two years? How much space do we have in three years? They're thinking down the line constantly with this stuff. And I mean, that's unless, another guy strong. Unless he strong might too, get traded. Unless he was too young still. I just don't see him being having the, the body type, or whatever you want to call it, the game to be a top three center in the NHL. I, I just, I just don't see it. I mean, his style of play, he has to be a number one or a number two center and he's, not going to be there. He's not going to get there. You know, well, he's I mean? only like 21 he's, years old. I know. I just don't see it. I don't see it. I think they should trade him while he has some uh, some value. I don't think they should waste the salary cap on him or even waste the gamble or take the gamble. I think he's I think one he's, of those players that is valuable for a trade, and I think they should take advantage of it while they still can. Listen, I think he's definitely somebody who shouldn't be untouchable. You know, I'm not saying that, but I think that at 21 years old. It reminds me a little bit of Tomas Hurdle in San Jose. You guys know who that is, I'm sure. Yep. Um, yeah. He's rumored to possibly be available via trade also. A, he'd be a good get. So when you look at Tomas Hurdle. He's a lot better than Hedl. Well, similar similar situation. First round pick, 17th overall for Hurdle. Hedl was first round pick, 21 overall. Well, at least Hurdle's got a vowel in his name. Hurdle's <laughs> uh, 6'2", 215 pounds. Heedle's 6'2", 206 pounds. So they're very similar. Uh, when you look at Heedle's age 21 season, which was this year, he had eight goals, 14 assists, 22 points in 42 games with almost no power play time at all, which is a point every other game. It's it's a 40-point season over 82 games. It's not a bad season. Hurdle in his age 21 season had 13 goals, 18 assists, 31 points in 82 games. Now, look, I get it. Every player's not the same. But again, if you trade Heedle, 
and he becomes hurdle, right? <laughs> then you're going to be upset. You traded Heedle before you got to reap the reward. I'm not going to be upset. Or may- maybe you just get hurdle and put Heedle on his wing. So Sam could say, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Heedle to hurdle passes oh to squirtle. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just saying if it, for example, if they trade Heedle for hurdle, right. If they did that, that's the reverse of Brassard for Zabanajad. It's the opposite. We're getting the Brassard and they're getting to Zabanajad, you know? So you don't want to jump the gun and just trade Heedle. If they trade him, I mean, look, if they get something, they get something. How old is Hurdle? He's not untouchable. 27. Wow. He's young. He's a young player. He's no, that's not young. That's not, I don't think that's young. Yeah, he's young. He's right in his prime, you know, 27. Well, again, they have to make a decision on how much they want to, more they want to give these guys a chance to develop, or do they want to win within the next year or two? I'd like to get her. That's that's the decision they have to make. How many guys it, do you want to develop? If I if I were the Rangers, I would seriously consider moving Bushnevich for cap relief. And what are you trying to get on my good side? No, I'm serious. I, I'm not coming. I I'm not flying to Miami to finish the shelves. No, you got to do the kitchen though. The kitchen you got to do. <laughs> Um, no, no, I'm serious. I, I like Bushnevich, but I think when you look at the roster, you have, you have Kapokako and you have Vitaly Krafts all the right wing. You're expecting at least, you got to expect at least one of those guys are ready to play in the power play, to play first line, to get some more ice time, to get them more ice time. You got to move a guy out. Bushnevich is going to cost money. So if they tra- if, if they can get some high quality, younger assets for Bushnevich, do it. Then I would promote Cackle and Kraftsoff, and I would try. Honestly, I would consider even moving Strom. You can either move him in a trade or move him to wing. He can play right wing, you know. And I would try and get a guy like Hurdle, who can play second line center behind, you know, with maybe like you trade Bushnevich, you put Cackle or or Kraftsoff with Lafreniere and Zibanejad, and then you go like Panarin, Hurdle, Strom on the second line. That's a that's. Why not you know, keep Strom and put Hurdle as a third line center? Well, I think I think Hurdle's better than Strom. You know, so I think, you know, he's right, more whatever, out. then put strong, whatever you do, you have three strong centers. You could do that too. Yeah. Or I get you know, rid of Strom, and then you have to have a third, another third. Heedle's not filling that third line center that the teams are worried about, I don't think. Well, Heedle's not a third line center. He's going to either develop into a second line center or get traded. I mean, he's, I agree with Eddie on that. He's just not, yeah, he's yeah, not going to be a third line center. But I think, I think if you, I mean, dude, Strom, he's got to get a new contract soon. You're going to pay Strom? If he continues to be good, why not? Why do you? But you can't why, pay everyone. That's why you have to identify which player you second, want to pay. If he's a second line center, you have to pay him. You got to pay top But if you can get six. somebody, if you can get somebody at a cheaper rate, of course, to, per, well, to of perform course. just as well. Well, of course, can you though? Are you going to? That's the question. Well, if they trade Strom and promote Heedle to second line, give him more ice time. How would no you feel way. about that? Then you're then you're developing. You're still developing. We're out of that developing where you're developing eight players on the roster. You got you're developing Lafreniere, Kako, Kratzoff, who I love. I say you put Kratzoff on the first line instead of Bushnevich. He's gonna he's gonna be a lot better. So you 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 got to develop a few players now to get over the hump. You can't have six eight players. You got to go back to developing in Hartford. And filling in spots, like you said before, that's my opinion. You're at the level where you can cut, start making the playoffs and competing. So, yeah. when is it going to happen? It's a delicate balance. Yeah, it it's is. A delicate when is balance. it going to happen? How many years you're going to give Edel, or you want to win a little bit? You know, I know he came in young, but I, I, 
have criticized Heedle, and I agree with you. I think Heedle, he looks a little lost out there. I mean, I worry, I agree with Eddie. I worry about his ability long-term to play center because you got to have a certain head for the game to be a quality center. He's got the skills. He's got the motor. Maybe he's a left wing. Maybe he's not a center. You know, I don't necessarily see, see him being a center, but I think he's, he could, you know, I don't, he's see, only him 21. As devel- I don't see him as developing to a second line center. Personally. I'd be interested to seeing him on the wing. If that's the case. I just don't see – he doesn't have the head for the center, like you said. We shouldn't even be having the conversation of him, like, being a chicken without a head as a center. Center's right. the that's, easiest – That's the worst type of player to play with is, like, someone like that, and you can only get away with it being a wing. No, you, you know can only why? get away and with it being a center. You, a wing, if you're doing that, you're way out of position. A I know, but the center is – But then if you, if you pair a wing like that with a smart center, then – the center can just fill in the winger's role, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with Eddie. I think uh, I being a think center, so. you have to be a heady player. You can't, you have to, as a center, you have the most responsibility of all the skaters on the ice. You have to be aware of what's going on all over the ice at all That's times. True. You can't, you can't be like, like Carl Hagelin is a chicken without a head, right? He's developed in, in his career. He's a veteran now into a reliable, defensive minded, you know, fourth line winger. That's what Heedle reminds me of. Honestly, he reminds me of Carl Hagelin in a lot of ways, but a little more offense, but like, I don't want my center running all over the ice, like aimlessly yeah. without a purpose. You know, I, I don't know. At our maybe, level, it's maybe, different dad. It's to put a player like that at center. is much different. He can run around, hit, be a pest on the four check, blah, blah, blah. Right. But at the NHL level, you need someone to take control. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to look past the center like Bergeron and all these guys. Like, it's just like, they are just, they're out there and you just know they're out there. You can just follow them, just control the game. Yeah. They're very, the center's the most important position. I know so. it, you can't compare everyone to Bergeron, but like just watching him on a nightly basis in the playoffs right now, it's just like, you can't compete with someone like that. Yeah. So look, we can speculate for hours here and chit chat about this. And we'll talk more about all these possible moves they're going to make as the off season progresses. This is really going to be where coach Ed uh, is going to have to do some homework since he's not able to go off the cuff on the offseason stuff, he's going to have to do a little bit of research. But we got to wait for the playoffs to end. That's the first thing we got to do before anything really happens. And uh, the playoffs are, you know, I, I mean, look, I don't want to go crazy on it, but we got moving on. Montreal swept Winnipeg after that game seven uh, with Toronto. They came back in Toronto, Montreal's into the conference finals, right? Which is interesting. Oh, they won last night. I fell asleep and went into overtime. They swept, yeah, and they, with the OT goal. And wow. then uh, you got. Vegas and Colorado playing tonight. They're 2-2. Is the game on right now? Yeah. It's 1-0 Colorado. 13 minutes left in the second. All right. So it's Colorado and Vegas are a tight series there. Islanders and Bruins, tight series. 3-2 Islanders, unfortunately. I don't know what you guys think, uh, if you want to comment on that. But I saw the coach of Boston's coach said uh, they should call them the New York Saints because they don't. Did you see that? They must not do something, anything wrong. Yeah, I mean, they, don't, they don't call penalties on the Islanders, but they do the same things we do. They must be, they must be the New York Saints. Yeah, that's what uh, Butch Cassidy said. I thought that was funny. They were saying the Islanders fans are, at the Coliseum are going to come out with Saints jerseys or something like that. So, yeah, the Islander fans are having a field day about that. Got to give the Islanders fans a little bit of credit. I, I mean, we make fun of them. There's not that many of them, but they really, they get together like rabid animals, you know? So it's like, I was reading something. They were saying they're one of the it's hardest not- arenas to play in, in, you know, in the whole uh, league, which yes. I find shocking, to be honest with you. I don't know who said that. Well, it's a small arena. I mean, if you watch one of those games now, I, I hate to give them any credit, but that place is going nuts. No, they said it's one of the, they came out with a list of all the places that like Carolina is a tough place to play because the fans are rowdy. 
there's a few and, and the Islanders are one of the, like the top five hardest places to play because of the, the fans being so energetic. What was um, with Montreal? How hardly had any fans? Well, Canada's got they weren't different allowed. COVID. Yeah. Canada has different COVID rules. They just now opened up the border for Montreal to be able to play the winner of Colorado and Vegas. They just, per, they just uh, permitted that, I guess the word is they gave permission or whatever. They're not, they weren't allowed to cross the border. That's why the whole North division is Canada because they can go between provinces, but they wouldn't let anyone into the U S which is crazy. And that's one of the things, honestly, not to get too off topic, but when Stepan got traded to Ottawa, he was upset about that because his family was back uh, in the, in the States and he was like, dude, I'm not going to be able to cross and see my wife and kids and stuff. Like, Yeah, that's they, crazy. You know, so he was upset about that. But uh, So we got uh, the Islanders in Boston, 3-2. Which series did I miss? Did I get all of them? Oh, Tampa and Carolina. Did Tampa won tonight, right? Yes. They, so, Tampa, uh, they, so Tampa moved on. Tampa moved on, correct. So, so we got the Lightning against either the Islanders or Bruins and the Canadians against either the Avalanche or Vegas. You guys agree that Avalanche or Vegas winner is probably going to the finals over Montreal, right? Yes, I would say so. I mean, I would think so, but the way Montreal is playing, it's so it's weird. Carey Price, man. Carey Price. I saw him make a few saves last night. Obviously, they what they're doing is pretty good. I can, I wouldn't bet a lot of money on it. The way they're playing, and, it's... But in the East, it's it's up in the air. I mean, I could see the Islanders, Boston, or Tampa getting there. I Honestly, I think Tampa's probably the favorite, but I don't know. I could see Boston or the Islanders shutting down Tampa's high-powered offense and, and taking. I can't. I, I don't know. Whatever. I can't see them beating Tampa. Tampa's powerful, and they have a similar. Think, they have a similar uh, style, other than Stamkos. I mean, those they have the that hard-checking. What's his name? Kill Cologne or whatever. They have that. They have guys that are gritty and fight. Guys like Sezikis and them. They have guys like that. Tampa. That would be a great series. Tampa and the Islanders would be a good series. I don't Hopefully, Boston have a guy. Them. I don't think they have a defense like it. But Trotz is a great coach. I don't know. It'll be interesting if they make it to the finals. It'll just be unbearable. I might have to move to Florida. Yeah, for sure. So you know, before before we. Uh go too deep into this why don't we just go right into the rangers ed 150 with our boy mikey p this week's edition of rangers ed 150 is brought to you by long island hockey company and amity harbor sports along with their dope apparel line they literally got you covered with all of your inline and ice hockey equipment needs offering all of your top brands including bauer ccm warrior true and more i guarantee you won't be disappointed so head over to amity harbor sports in amityville long island or the pro shop at the rinks and hop hog today tell them little ed from the rangers ed podcast sent you and instantly receive 10 percent off your entire purchase not from around here don't worry you can head over to their websites amitysports.com that's a-m-i-t-y sports.com and long island hockey company.com that's long island hockey co.com and use promo code rangers ed for the same 10 percent off discount ladies and gentlemen welcome to the 150 round two of the playoffs is in the books and once again the boys in black and white found a way to have a major impact on two of our four series out west we had a fantastic matchup between two major cup contenders in the avalanche and the Golden Knight. The Avs came out steaming to take a 2-0 series lead, but once Vegas got rolling, there was simply no stopping them. Jonathan show continues to be the breadwinner for Vegas, posting six goals through two series, and with Marc-Andre Fleury between the pipes, this team seems unstoppable. In the North Division, your low amateur Montreal Canadiens were the beneficiary of an unbelievably harsh ruling from George Paros and the Department of Player Safety, which saw Mark Scheifele dished a four-game sussy for a solid legal hit on Jake Evans in the closing minute of Game 1. The Habs would go on to sweep the Jets, 
this is now the second series in a row that the Canadians have faced a team without their best player and yet another instance of the referees and Department of Player Safety. Changing the tide of a series with soft calls. Hockey's a fast, hard game. Players get injured. When legal body contact occurs in a one-goal game on a 50-50 puck with one minute left in the game, the referees can't dole out sympathy calls. Fact of the matter is, Jake Evans had his head down, took the puck to a risky spot on the ice to make a play, which he ultimately did make, and he paid the price for it. Every broadcaster in the NHL that's ever called a playoff game has said the phrase, take a hit to make a play. Jake Evans took a hit to make a play, and he ended up injured because he had his head down. Mark Shifley made the right play and was wrongfully punished for it. Shame on you, player safety. In the Central Division, the Tampa Bay Lightning walked over the Carolina Hurricanes with a 4-1 series route. This is now the second season in a row, in a row that the Lightning have exploited a rulebook loophole that allows them to be egregiously over the salary cap during the playoffs. With the return of Nikita Kucherov for this run, the Bolts are close to $18 million over the salary cap with their active roster as is. Hopefully the NHL will address this in the offseason to prevent this from happening in future seasons. Uh, it seems a bit convenient that Kucherov was deemed ready to play the exact start of the playoffs here, boys. But nonetheless, the Lightning are a horse team to watch out for. Finally, in the East, the Islanders took the series over Boston 4-2. Uh, definitely saw some extremely lopsided calls in favor of the Islanders. Uh, this series was very much akin to the Hurricanes in 2020 when they lost to the Bruins and the referees in the first round of the playoffs. 5v5 uh, play in this series was definitely dominated by the Bruins. Uh, turning point was definitely in Game 5 when referee Francis Charon, who was also responsible for the extremely lopsided affair between the Hurricanes and Bruins in the previous year, issued an extremely soft penalty call uh, that led to a power play goal and ultimately two more for the Islanders, who went on to win that game 5-4 despite being outshot 44-19. Uh, Charon showed he was definitely out to control the game rather than referee it, uh, and this problem is now extended from the regular season into the playoffs, where it's affecting the outcomes of individual games and series as a whole. It's not something new. It's been a consistent problem uh, with the philosophy of many NHL referees. Tim Peel was uh, banned, actually, earlier this season for ordering a makeup call against the Preds while his, hot, while his mic was still hot. And same thing is happening with Francis Charon in the playoffs. He's out to control games rather than referee him. Uh, he saw a game with increasing physical play and changed the standard for calls halfway through, which resulted in, resulted in four power plays for the Islanders, NHL refs, and the Department of Player Safety are slowly sucking the life out of hockey, and they need to be stopped. Go Vegas. This has been your 150. All right, so, you know, the last thing... from Canada, too. So yeah, he's up there in Canada. He always oh, does a good... Always does a good job for us, you know, the, the 150, running down the 150 in the playoffs. So it's always did fun you, to listen to. Did you guys ever see the, you guys both watch King of Queens, right? Yeah, I used the to. The one was on the other night with, a, with his dog. He, they're visiting the mother and he realized that his dog, it wasn't the original dog. You ever see that one? No. Every time the dog died, the mother got a new one because she was afraid how it was going to act if the dog died. She was worried about his feelings. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah, like, yeah. Third, he was like named, 38 years old. And they always like, named well, it the same thing. He's like, well, what other secrets do you have? The father goes, you might as well tell him. He goes, what? Well, we were in Montreal and my water broke. He goes, I'm Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> starts oh, going, hey, you know, he starts talking like stuff. He goes, that's funny. <laughs> it was hysterical. It was on the other night. I was dying. Anyway, that's really funny. Sidebar. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so so the last the last thing we'll talk about um, is uh, changes to the the staff. The Rangers hired Mike Greer to work in the hockey operations department and player development. He's going to help out some of the prospects in Hartford, uh, teach them how to be pros, and uh, you know it's 
pretty much just get them ready to play in the NHL. So I think it's always good to bring on veteran, uh, you know, guys who are veterans in the NHL who played the game right and work hard to, to be around the young players. And we got two right now. Greer is the second one. I think, I think he's replacing Brian Leach who left when they fired JD and, uh, and Gorton. Uh, I think he's taking his spot there. So it's just, it's Greer and Brad Richards who work for the Rangers in that capacity now. So what do you guys think? What about was the that? connection with Greer though? With, is he connected with Rory? A... Is there some, I mean, it's kind of a random thing. I think generally they give it to the players that were on the Rangers. Like you saw Richard was there, some, you know, has some connection. Yeah. So Drury and Greer were actually teammates uh, with BU back in the mid nineties. Oh, okay. so, so that's probably, right. so that's probably right. the connection. Dang, so I didn't even know that. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't realize that either. Yeah. You're right. There's always a connection. So Google is a friend. And the other interesting point is the only coach they kept on the staff was uh, Benoit, right? Yeah, so Benoit Lair is our only coach right now. Actually, it's not true. We have Jerry Deneen as the video coach, and we kept the skills coach as well. So we have the goalie coach, skills oh, okay. coach, and and video coach. I mean, if Lair would have left, I think Valaket would have freaking probably quit. He probably would have quit, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple other things to note with the staff changes. One of the European scouts, the the guy that was scouting in Russia, Nick Bobrov, he's no longer listed as a scout for the organization. Um, so I don't know if he got fired or what happened. I didn't see any, you know, any kind of uh, release or anything, but he, he's a big scout for the team and he's no, not listed there anymore. And our head scout, Gordy Clark, is now listed as a professional scout. I don't know if he got demoted, but we don't really have a head scout listed, which is odd. Um, so who knows what's going on? They're they're obviously reshaping the organization behind the scenes. So Jim Ramsey's still there. Micheletti <laughs> will be happy to know that. The best in the business. We have and we best haven't replaced Sam game. Rosen. We haven't replaced Sam Rosen yet either. He's still there as well. So that's really it for the news. So it's going to be an exciting off season for the team. We should improve. Hopefully they don't trade too many young guys. But you know the ones that they do, let's hope they identify them correctly. I trust right. free. I know we said it a lot that we we trusted Gordon's process. I mean, I think we got to trust Drury as well. We just don't know with Drury. We got to kind of see what he does. I mean, with Gordon, yeah. he had a little bit of a track record. You know, Drury doesn't really have one. So right. let's see uh, how he does. Well, and the, big, the big thing with Drury is, like they keep saying, he's like Denzel Washington in, in uh, Remember the Titans. He, I'm a winner. I'm going to win. So he's a winner. We've heard it you know, all, Little yeah. League all the way up. Anything else, boys? I think we're going to skip uh, trivia tonight. Since Mike's not here and it's not well, fair. I gave, you, I gave you the trivia. You guys didn't get it, so I get five <laughs> points for that. <laughs> and you're still in third place. <laughs> but uh, All right, make sure you get that air conditioner over to Rihanna, I'm sure, and carry it up the stairs for her within the next week or so. I'm going to try to do it Thursday or Friday. <laughs> yeah, so that'll be funny. I gotta all right, go anything, anything else, boys, or you want to wrap it up? I think that about wraps it up. Good, uh, good bridge episode, we'll call it. Yeah, anything going on with the open hockeys? Any updates? Yeah, we had our uh, third game this past Saturday. Coach Ed made his debut. Looking good How out you there. You did great. I held my own. No injury. Did you have the video on the bench? We had we have a few videos coming, so keep an eye out for the highlight videos. I got to see that. But, yeah, so we want to keep that going. Our next one is 619. Um, so we're going to try and get some more guys, keep it going, like I said, and uh, we'll, we'll look to add some more games after that. But uh, for now, mark your calendars for June 19th. It's the night before Father's Day. So um, it's a perfect opportunity to get you, you know, go with your dad and, and play in the, in the game on the night before Father's Day. Exactly. Hopefully we don't have any uh, Islander game conflicts. And uh, we can get a little Hopefully bit more that's people. over in about four days. Yeah. And uh, we'll have a full house next time. So 
Yeah, like I said, guys, mark your calendars. Keep an eye out for the Instagram post and um, reserve your spots now. We got to get CW up here for a little uh, open house. He got skates? He used to play, from what he said. Did he play goalie? Did he say he played goalie? I don't know. It's up in the air, CW. Just put a shooter to Just put a shooter to instead of CW. We need CW to make the trek up here. Who, who would do better, CW or a shooter tutor? I don't know. <laughs> He's got the Lundquist jersey. It's a tough, uh, not Lundquist, Richter. He's got, he's got to live up to it. We got some pretty good goalies coming down, so got some tough competition. I'm going to get out there eventually. I don't know if I'm going to make it for Father's Day. I might. I might do it. But uh, if not, eventually I will. What's um? Did you? Did people know who to contact? You put it in the Instagram post, or you want to say here? Yeah, I mean, it'll be on the Instagram post, but you can either DM us or um, just – my, I have the phone number for my friend Tony on there. So just to keep an eye out for that and he'll accept the text message and then we just got to shoot, shoot him a Venmo and you'll uh, lock in your spot. All right. Sounds good. Let's keep it going. I want to see some videos from coach Ed's debut in the, in the open hockey. So make sure they get sent to me. <laughs> Roger that. I'm sure. I'm sure he looks better than I will when I play. So came out unscathed this time. <laughs> no back brace. The knee held up last time we played outdoors. I, tweak my knee a little bit but it held up pretty good <laughs> all right all right boys let's uh wrap this up until next week all right guys all right good episode boys Talk love to you guys. guys next week love, love you, guys. you guys peace out